0: Yeah. Thank you. Well, it is very good to be with you uh, this morning, and to make the the drive down, I wouldn't come, but you have a Dunkin' Donuts on the way, so it works out. We're willing to come anytime uh, on that basis. And um, part of us are here this morning. My my wife had some family in from California, and so she went over to her parents with the other three. That's not fair. I I get to go with <laughs> one, and she's going with three, but. Uh, George and I hung out at the ranch. We had a horse lovers last uh, this this past weekend, and then uh, and then came down this morning. So we had a good drive. We might even drive drive and see the elk on the way back uh, up there. Just a little update on the ranch. Things are going really well. We uh, we just hosted a, a homeschool day at Miracle Mountain Ranch, and we had the most people we've ever had, at least that we can remember, uh, having a meal all at once. We had over 600 people. So about 700 and some people probably for for that meal. So it was crazy. We would have put McDonald's to a shame. The the Coopers, they just we brought everybody through and they had pizza and it was a lot of fun, but they spent uh, the day just being encouraged as a group and we had fire safety training and and Matt really presented the gospel from horseback during that day. And so it was a lot of fun. So that was just a just this last week the new students are there at Miracle Mountain Ranch. There's 39. Last year we had uh, 28 students, about 28 students. So we're really excited that, that the Lord is blessing that program and that school of discipleship as we, as we work to, to share the gospel with them and teach them how they can share with others. So to go from you know 28 students to 39 students is just really exciting that the Lord is blessing that and continuing to grow that. I have a lot of hope in that, in that program. I think there's been some recent changes to make it more Biblically focused than it already was, and more substantive in academic training than it was, and just really good things happening in that department. So, so thank you for your prayers and partnering with us. It's so fun to have, you know, some of your people up during the summer, and you know, have help with photography and all kinds of things. So it's a lot of fun. This morning I want to speak on the topic of contentment. I will tell you that I. My goal at first was to, to speak at the ranch on this, and then I thought, wow, I want to make it my whole theme for the fall. Another thing is I've gone to writing out my whole messages, so this is new. So bear with me, and we'll see how it goes. I'm still learning. I, I wanted to be more intentional with the way I spoke. I think Pastor Matt's probably been doing this for years, and I'm just kind of new to it that way. Uh, it's hard to come here and preach because you have such a good pastor, right? And he's such a good speaker. I mean, you really have, you really have a gem. You know, uh, no no wonder nobody shows up on the Sundays when he's not here. I was listening to one of his messages last night. I know I asked Mark Brenner. He says, it's like a ghost town there, you know, and the pastor's gone, you know, the the, uh, the kids will play or something like that. But <clears throat> these kids are here, so that's a good sign, I think. <clears throat> but let's pray and we'll get started on this topic of contentment this morning. Thank you for having me come down. Heavenly Father, we thank you. I thank you for this opportunity to be here at Lance this morning. And I uh, thank you for the, the safe drive on the way down, the time I get to spend with George um, on the way down. I pray for my family as they're traveling in Ohio today. pray for others this morning uh, as a church uh, across America that is coming and, and worshiping this morning. I pray for the different pastors and, and elders that are preaching and, and leading that they will present the gospel. And uh, we pray for your will to be done. We pray for your will to be done even this coming election and uh, just the things that are happening around families and and, and local areas, Lord. Um, specifically this morning, I pray that, that you would uh, help us understand how to find our contentment in you. In Jesus' name, amen. It may be a little ironic because this is not something that I have mastered. I have definitely many desires, dreams, hopes, and ambitions. I I put in there at first that the Lord has given me many hopes dreams ambitions and then I took that out I'm like I'm not sure all of them are from him some of them are uh, I, I think he's made me a cantankerous fellow and the fact that I you know I, I, I like to get things done and, and try new things and explore and, and travel that way maybe maybe you relate to that um, but uh, this is something that I hope we can grow together in this morning I, I would I would like to speak on this topic not because i'm trying to fix anyone here but we can grow together my hope is that we consider our own past before christ and how we can find our joy in christ i thought about when you're standing up here and people are a little tired this morning i was like hey if you if you want to sleep through this message you go right ahead you'll find more joy in sleeping in this message you should sleep during this message you go right ahead no condensation i mean really I, I I didn't think about it fast enough, but I was going to bring some donuts and have somebody here eat as many donuts as they could and then keep offering them donuts. At some point, they'd be like, oh, no, no, I've had enough donuts, right? Some of the young people are like, no, really, I could eat as many as you could bring. At Dunkin' Donuts, they had the Penn State colored ones, you know. And, and next time, maybe I'll bring those. But Because the idea, right, is eventually if we're so full in something You know, the other things are just unappealing. So I hope that we are so full in Christ and we find our contentment there. Contentment that would be much better than eating a dozen Penn State donuts. So this morning, let's let's study this, this topic. I actually set out to speak on the topic of modesty. That's why this comes from summer camp. On modesty. Obviously, with young people, we're talking about things, these things, the boundaries and what we do. And so I set out to talk on modesty, and I realized that contentment in Christ was the solution to modesty. And being that it is the solution to a great many vices, it became the focus of my fall speaking. So this will be one of about five churches I'll be in in October and, and the end of September in, in a Christian school in Ohio. And, and, and sincerely, I I was talking to like my sister or something on this topic. I should I should really study modesty because I'm giving my opinion and I. It's more my opinion than really something I've studied, right? And it's it, those are one of the topics that we all have an opinion about. You know whether it's you know this or this or too far, or whether yoga pants are okay or not okay. They're not okay, by the way. But in case you were wondering, I just could clear that up this morning. But I but I realized through that that you know what, we don't want to argue about pants. You know we don't we don't want to with other people. We want to be content in Christ and those type things they just get solved. They they just simply go away. They they become non-issues. So many things become non-issues. So modesty became honestly a non-issue. I spoke on it uh I think it was last week up in New York and I actually cut modesty pretty much out except for this one part of this whole talk because I thought it was still a distraction from this idea of being content in Christ. Contentment can definitely be called a rare jewel, as the Puritan author author, Jeremiah Burroughs has said. We definitely know many rich people that are not content. We know plenty of strikingly beautiful people that are not content. We have seen powerful people that just need a little bit more. They seem to have it all, but they still lack joy. You might have heard the recent news out of Hollywood that another marriage is ending. Right? I don't know if you've seen. I don't even mention names, but you know, this, this is, it's always one. I mean, a new month, new marriage. That's you know, like, oh, I can't believe they're not a thing anymore. Like, they've had three marriages before. You're really surprised this is gonna <laughs> change anything. I, and uh, I think it's a great lesson, you know, especially us that are maybe even younger in our marriages. Look, they have all the money in the world, they have all the looks in the world, and their spouse has both of those things too. And it doesn't, it doesn't solve the issue, does it? It doesn't. But yet you look at this church and you've seen many marriages lasting 50 plus years. The key is not looks. It is not money. It is not stuff. It is cherishing Christ. So that is our theme this morning, that we would cherish Christ, that we would find our joy in Christ. We would be so full of Christ that other things just seem so empty. And uh, this little poem, I think, is a clever way of of kind of starting out and thinking about these things. It was spring, but it was sumper, summer I wanted. The warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer and it was fall I wanted. The colorful leaves and the cool dry air. It was fall, but it was winter I wanted. The beautiful snow and the joy of the holiday season. It is winter, but it's spring I wanted. With warmth and blossoming of nature. I was a child. But it was an adult I wanted, the freedom and respect. I was 20, but it was 30 I wanted, to be mature and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 20 I wanted, the youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle age I wanted, with the presence of mind, without limitations. My life was over, and I never got what I wanted. Jason Lehman wrote that. Supposedly he wrote it when he was 14 years old. He must have had some insight from his mother. I don't know. That's a lot for a 14-year-old to comprehend. But isn't it true? There's often that thing that we want. And it can ruin our day when we set our minds and our affections and everything. I I got to have that. And then we show up there and we realize, oh, it didn't solve all my problems, did it? Anybody, anybody relate to that? Where you really had to have that thing And then you got that thing and you had the same problems after having that thing. Maybe it's a new vehicle. Maybe it's a new car. Maybe it's a new house. I just put this addition in our house. We we needed it. But you grow complacent in the fact that you have this nice big area to to enjoy and, and you think about something else. Now let us look at some scrip- scriptures to consider some insights from Solomon, the son of King David. This poem seems to be echoed by the messages given by Solomon. Ecclesiastes two one I said to my heart, come now and I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also too was vanity. Ecclesiastes 5.10-11 He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income, this also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase that eat them. Tell me about it. Right? I've got four kids, and they're five and younger, so that seems to be the case of my, those, those that have definitely increased that eat them. To what advantage uh, has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Maybe this morning you don't have joy and hope in Christ, We want to get at that sad situation this morning. We can suggest some things that will bring lasting joy, joy in Christ that pushes other vain things and useless joys out into the cold. I purchased a book called The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremy Burroughs. I will recommend that to you. This is far better than anything I have to share this morning. This fellow was smart. I believe he he presented... uh, you know, in, in Parliament, when he was this is you know a long time ago, um, he, he was he was a preacher of his time, but he wrote this book on Christian contentment, and, and the book itself is a jewel. And so, I would encourage you to get it if, if you have Kendall, you can get it for ninety nine cents. One of those old things. I think you can get it on on Google for free and read some of these quotes. I'm going to share a little bit of the book with you this morning, but I, I will encourage you if you're a reader, uh, you would really probably find this book very fascinating. I, I have found it fascinating as I have started to read it. But here's a definition that I want to share from that. Christian contentment Christian contentment is that sweet inward quiet gracious frame of spirit which freely submits to the delight in God's wise and fatherly disposition in every way. So the simple definition out of like Webster's is the state of being happy and satisfied, the state of being content. So we want to fix our minds on what would be Christian contentment. We want to want to add to it because we want to submit everything to Christ. Christian contentment or glorifying God contentment. How do we rest in the arms of Christ? How do we abide in Christ and find His joy? That's the joy. We, we don't want Penn State donut joy, right? We want something more than that. That brings a contentment for a very short time, right? It also brings other things, you know, that stay with you a very long time. But but nonetheless, we want Christian contentment. So let me read this out of 1 Corinthians 10.31, kind of one of my life verses. Whatever we do, we do all to the glory of God. So whether we eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Right, so this is a very good verse to understand. The small decisions matter, and they help grow our relationship with Christ and bring us contentment. So before we eat that hamburger, we say, should I do it, right? Before we buy this thing that we want, should I do it? Does it mean you listen to this message? Well, maybe I shouldn't buy anything anymore. I can't believe I bought that four wheeler. No, that's that's not what I'm. I'm not here. This is not a. This is not a, a condescending message or a, a joy killer. This is a joy builder. Up. This this builds our joy and our excitement because we just do things in confidence that God is directing those things. It doesn't mean we're not blessed. You read the Bible. As, many different people in the in the Bible that were blessed beyond their wildest imaginations. Solomon was was blessed. But we want to find true joy, and even Solomon struggled to find joy in the things he had, right? He realized that a lot of that was vanity. So really, you're going to get more out of the little things that you do have if you enjoy them in the context of, of Christ's design than, than if you just... Uh, just keep buying stuff to make yourself seem happy. During my studies I turned to Psalms 23. I shared this. I don't know if anybody saw the little video on Facebook. I was standing in the shop with my phone and I recorded a little thing and I posted it on your church Facebook page and you can put it. Only one person liked it. I think they were paid to like it. So but 16 people watched it. So some, so somebody didn't like it. I don't know. But nonetheless, I mentioned in there that, uh, that Psalms 23 is kind of one of those verses that stopped me in my track as I, as I worked on this message, because it says, in Psalms 23, turn there, if you would, this morning. And I, I put some in your notes. Some, uh, there's an orange paper that has some of these verses. Psalms 23: "The Lord is my shepherd. Get the next four words: I shall not want." Do you realize the power of those words, I shall not want? Just think of how that would change your life if you didn't want stuff all the time. That would kill our joy half the time. Because I want this. I want that. I want this to happen. And I am that person. There's always something that I want. So I'm not saying this that I've figured it out. I've only figured this out, is that I should want to grow my relationship with Christ. And I should want... To cry out and ask God to help me in this. That I might be more content in what he has given me. As the psalmist has written here. And the, the picture of a, of, a, of a shepherd is, is amazing. I'm going to read this again. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. For, for his name's sake, Right? It's for his glory. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they, they freak me out. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in my presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup, here's the contentment, right? My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me in the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. You hear that? That sounds like one content sheep. The first line of this psalms is mind-blowing. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It really sums up this whole message, thinking about how things that you want drive you, your discontentment, your lack of joy, I think it's suggesting that when we focus on God as our provider of all things, we do not want anything except what comes from His hand. See, this is a very small way, but, but, uh, but it's like being a parent, right? And you see this with being a parent, and that your kids, they actually only want things out of your hands sometimes. You know Any, any moms in here? And if mom gives it to you, it's, it's special, right? They wake up in the middle of the night. Who do they run to when they've had a, a dream or, or they can't get to sleep or whatever? There, there's, they're shepherd. They want their shepherd. They run to their shepherd. This morning, do we think that way? Do we want to run to the bottle? Do we want to run to food? Do we want to run to Penn State donuts? Do we want to run to our coffee? Or do we want to run to our shepherd? to guide us and to help us understand contentment. However, the exception comes with ice cream, suckers, or brownies. They seem to take those from anybody. So that's just, as a parent, I'm, I'm, I was thinking there's a little error in this analogy. But really, the picture of a shepherd and his sheep is perfect for this message. David worked to place trust in Christ. He called out with song and prayer. If we are not content this morning, we go to Christ and ask for his almighty help, his almighty hand to help us. That's, that's, that's what we do. That's important because we can get fired up about this message and wonder what we do. We go to Christ and ask for him to eternally satisfy us, eternally help us. That's, that's, that's really key because I think, I think we can. We can, we can get excited. Think, this, is, this is good. This is good for somebody else. I wish so-and-so could hear this. Don't worry about so-and-so else for right now. Just for a minute. Just think, what is Christ calling you to do? How can he be your shepherd this morning? How can you find contentment in Christ? That that rare jewel, as we've talked about with, with, that, um, with, that, with that author. I want to talk about the motivations of our heart. The things that motivate us to do the things that we do or do not do. Every day we make many... Choices And those choices are driven by what we believe will bring us joy, pleasure, happiness, satisfaction, and rest. Where is your green pasture? Right? Get it? Where is your green pasture this morning? What is your happy place? What is your guilty pleasure? Is it Christ? Or have you drowned out your desire for Him with something else? It's very easily done. We surround us ourselves by Penn State donuts and we don't see anything else, right? And you yeah, put in anything there. You know, somebody's like, yes, I'm an Ohio State fan. You know, this is crazy. But we surround ourselves, we pat ourselves. We have it very well in this country. As much as we would complain that we don't have more in the good old days and all those things, they did a lot more walking in the good old days. And they the horses that you see and like at Miracle Mountain Ranch, they rode on those to work all the time. It would get a little old, I think. You could try it. If you want to come to the ranch sometime and chores at six thirty. We have it so good. But still we want more. What's the problem? Our problem is we don't find contentment in Christ. We find it in stuff and that's bad. Is it Christ, or have you drowned out that desire with something else? The answer can probably be found in your level of contentment with what God has given you. Yes or no? Are you joyful for what God has given you? That's a question. Yes or no? This morning, are you joyful? Right. The, it's not. It's not just complacency, but out of a sign that you are content is joy. Right. Christ talks about my joy being in you and your joy being full. Sometimes I don't know that Christians are exuding joy. Why? It's not abiding in Christ. We know why. That's that's why. And and we say, well, so what do we do about that this morning? We cry out to God and we ask for help. Let me read this again. I think it's kind of an important line. The answer can probably be found in your level of contentment with what God has given you. Yes or no, are you joyful for what God has given you? One symptom of not being joyful is complaining. So if you see and hear yourself complaining throughout the week, grumpy about all this, fussy about all this, that's a sign. It's a fruit. That's, that's a fruit that you're not content with what God has given you. You're you're whining. I was just in the barn at Miracle Mountain Ranch the other day and they have a sign in the background that says, No whining, you know. But whining's a sign. And it's really a sad sign because there is something so much better. There is more joy to be found. That's what my generation needs uh, is to understand there's more joy and excitement found in Christ than than anything else. And that's what Solomon wrote. He said, look, people, I have everything you can ever imagine. And it's not satisfying. A lot of us are out there. Well, try me just just for a little while. I'd like to I'd like to try it and maybe I'd do better with Solomon on, on, on I think I could handle being that rich and famous and everything else, right? That's why we get so tempted by things dumb things like, like the lottery and and you know betting and, and we get the excitement out. Well maybe I'll maybe I'll get this huge thing and it'll solve all my problems. Christ, the only thing that's gonna solve all your problems. So let's do a, a, a mid message recap. Mid-message recap. I was preaching here one time, and I was asking Pastor Matt, "What you know? What would you think?" You know, afterwards, he's like, "Well, I think people could understand what you're saying, but I'm not completely sure. You know, if they would get the point you were trying to make." That's what he said to me. I said, "Well, that's kind of important." I was asking him because he's, he's somebody I admire, and and I like his preaching style. And so I was I was critiqued me a little bit. You know, so when a person says, "Well, you you know, you talk a lot, but I'm not sure they'd remember anything," you you, you want to kind of take notes. So we have a mid-message. If you're listening right now, Pastor Matt, smile. We have a mid-message recap. So write these things down. So when he comes back next week, say, what did that young man speak on? You, you got a couple of points you can write down, or you've lost all excuse for that. The purpose of a Christian is to bring glory to Jesus Christ, right? In all things, we bring glory to God. Number two, the more we abide in Christ, the more we set our affections on Him and desire the things that He would have us to desire. Mostly to love Him and to love others. Right? The great commandment. That's the goal of this thing. Is to, is to bring glory to God by loving Him and loving other people. We should understand our mission. We should understand what we are about and we should understand what will bring us most joy. And practically speaking, loving God and loving other people will bring you the most joy. That's the battle plan. That's the goal. That's what we're moving towards. Is those Christians are crazy. Really crazy for loving other people and being generous to them. That's our, that's our goal. That's where we're headed. Um, point number three. If it is not going well. If you sit there this morning and you say, I'm not content. I'm really struggling. My joy is not found in Christ. And you very well might be sitting there thinking that. I'm sitting there thinking that just teaching you, right? Those affections, those, you know, those temptations that come. You're like, where did that temptation come from? I'm a terrible person. That's right. I am a terrible person. I need Christ, right? And, and maybe you're with me on that. Um, but this morning, if it is not going well, ask God for help specifically ask the Holy Spirit who has been sent by God to be our helper. John, John 16, where you know, he's talking to his disciples in 15 and 16, and says, look, I'm leaving. I'm sending you a helper to help you in these things, to be with you and to guide you into all truth. So I think when we consider the actions of our life, we want to make sure we accomplish these goals, to glorify Christ and to love him and to love the people around us and to encourage them. And and third, when we need help, we should ask God for help. That's what we do. We pray. We pray. We cry out. We cry out to God and say, "Dear Lord, this is not going well. Please help me." Not for a second is there less joy in this mission. Know that. Know that. Because sometimes I think we get beat down as Christians. Oh, you, you're you're a killjoy. You know this? No, no, no. There's far more joy found in this. If you, need, if you have any doubt, look at Hollywood. Look how broken many of the situations are. There is more joy and excitement in this mission than anything else. Why? Because it is, it is the mission God has called you to as Christians. If you believe a big truck or a cowboy hat will make you happy or good looking... And check your heart and see if you're putting your hope in the right place. You say, cowboy hat. Don, how does this have anything to do with, none of us have cowboy hats. I was preaching this message at the ranch, right? And so we're talking about this. And so when you get back to modesty, a lot of times we think, oh, it's a girl thing. right? It's not a girl thing. It's a guy that, what do guys go buy big trucks for? Oh, God, I love a big truck. You just, you're, you're looking for an identity. And you could be wearing a cowboy hat and those skinny jeans and all that stuff. And be perfectly fine. But you could be doing it because you want to have an identity in that that will bring you contentment more than Christ. Am I saying that cowboy hats are bad? Yes. No. No, I would get fired for that probably. But um, if I could make that angle, I would, I think. But, but sincerely, if they're, if they're an identity thing more than finding our identity in Christ, and we love identities, don't we? We love to be that guy. right? I'm, you know, I like photography. And I like to be the photographer. Oh, yeah, it's just people like my foot, you know, put their, change my picture and share it and stuff like that. And, oh, they didn't put my name on the bottom, whatever. Yeah, I I can be that self-centered just like that, right? We all can. We can be, we want to be known as that person. We should be known as Christians and we find our contentment in there. So we're showing other people that we find our contentment in Christ and there's nothing else like it. There's nothing else like it. Some more kind of uh, motivation uh, theology here, John 157 through 11 you, you might want to turn there with me John, I love John. Uh, I love John 15 and I, and I found that it's so encouraging and it and it gives real clarity to what my life should be about, what my life should be about. And it really sums up the whole message in this one passage because it really sums up um, our, our life message. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be small and puny and and depressing. Is that what it says? Four words, four letters full that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full, full. Is your joy full this morning? If it's not, turn to Christ. That's where we will be found most full. Another quote from Jeremiah Burroughs The art of contentment, not so to seek to add to our circumstances, but to subtract from our desires. Now, I would add to this, and I think he makes this point in the book we want to subtract from our desires, our worldly desires. We want to grow in our desire for Christ. Why do you buy a big truck or a car with a sun, sunroof or post? Selfies on Facebook. The question is not always that these things in themselves are wrong. But the question is, why do we do what we do? Here's another quote by Jeremiah. A contented heart looks to God's disposal and submits to God's disposal. That is, he sees the wisdom of God in everything. In the submission, he sees his sovereignty. But what makes him take pleasure in God's wisdom? The Lord knows how to order things better than I. The Lord sees further than I do. I only see things at the present, but the Lord sees things a great while from now. And how do I know But that it had been for this affliction? I should have been undone. I know the love of God. May as well stand with an affliction condition as with a prosperous condition uh, as a prosperous condition there is a reasoning of this kind in a contented spirit a submission to god's disposal in every way he gets this idea of finding contentment in all things and and really there's like really you could do this message for a couple weeks because there's this whole side that he alludes to of go, of finding contentment in, in hard times, in affliction. And that's why we're going to sing it is well at the end of this message, right? And you studied the message of it is well. It came after a disaster to say it is well with my soul. But he gets this from passages like Psalms 23 and uh, Philippians. And here's a verse out of Philippians. But whatever gain I have, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I counted everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I mean, that that's that's it. If you don't remember anything from this message, let's read that line again. Maybe you turn in your Bibles there to Philippians three, seven through eight. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I counted everything as loss because of the surpassing, catch this, the surpassing worth, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake. I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Wow. See, then you, you can't keep a good man down. Let me share a little story. It's not even in my notes. I had a friend who was about 28 years old, 27, 28, got married, married his uh, high school sweetheart, um, and, you know, beautiful couple. He had curly black hair. She had long blonde hair, both just a picture of of fun and. He was the son of a camp director and he was doing well to potentially i don't know he might have even take over the camp one day he was he had had he had a, a two year old son he got cancer and he died. but on his way out, he spent two years battling the cancer and two years telling people that God was doing this in his life, and he brought glory to God through the hardship and he was satisfied in it. And yes, it was hard, but there was a sense of purpose and contentment in Ryan's life that was mind-blowing. And he probably reached more people in in those two years than any of us over many lifetimes. And his family and his son are left with a legacy and a testimony of finding contentment in Christ even in very hard times. And that was a hard time. It was sad. I have a picture at uh, My house that I took while at the at the funeral and I and I, I just printed it so I could just kind of remember it helps give context and and remember Ryan. And it's it's a fun testimony because of what Ryan found contentment in. And that was definitely Christ. Let me read another one. Now, I am not speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in every in any and every circumstances, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. Notice that facing plenty can be as hard as facing hunger. When we're poor, we don't think that's possible. You see people that are rich, and you see that they have many troubles and many struggles, and it's, it's also hard. Paul got to see both sides. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and and need, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. See, the connection is to see that Christ is a solution, and we cry out for his guidance. Psalm 73, 24 through 26. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will receive me to glory. Whom in heaven but I whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth that I desire more than you. My flesh and my heart will fail, but God in his strength my heart will be my portion forever. Those lines are what we need on the, on the stormy nights. There is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. And if you can't say that this morning, what do we do? We pray. We ask God to do that work in our lives. So what if you heard the words like this, God is not my portion. What if you say that this morning? You say, what if God's not my portion? What if you listen to this message and you realize that your heart desires everything but Christ? What if there is a relationship that you crave? What if there is a certain amount of money that you want to have? What if there is an item that you desire? You stop, you cry out to God for help, and you pray for Him to save you. As we come to the end of this message, I want to share another quote from Jeremiah. He makes it clear that that grace is such an important part of contentment. I think it is grace because when we consider the grace that we have been given, that I have been given, by God, then my heart says I shall not want. Right? When we realize what we've been given, it's satisfying to see that grace. When we are full on Christ, we are empty on discontentment. I say, a mystery that is very hard for the carnal heart to understand, but grace teaches us such a mixture teaches us how to make a mixture of sorrow and a mixture of joy together and makes contentment, the mingling of joy and sorrow and gracious joy and gracious sorrow together. Grace teaches us how to moderate and how to order an affliction so that there shall be no sense of it. And yet, for all that content under it. Old language, but I think it's basically saying in all things, I could be content. Even in really hard times, you can find contentment. Another verse out of Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, 2 through 10. Teach and urge urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words from the Lord Jesus Christ and teach according to godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has unhealthy craving for controversy and quarrels about words which produces envy and dissension and slander and evil and friction among the people who are depraved mind and deprived truth, imagining that godliness is a means of great gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of this world. But if we have food and clothes, with these we will be content. But with those that desire to be rich fall into temptation, into snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and, discussion, and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Let's not get stuck in that, in that cycle. There is a simpler answer. It's abiding in Christ. Philippians 3, 7-8, Whatever gain I counted loss for the sake of Christ, indeed I counted everything but loss, but the surpassing knowledge of Christ. How do we end? Remember these things from the message. The purpose of a Christian is to bring glory to God. The more we abide in Christ, the more we set our, our affections on Him. That part out of John, that would be great follow-up from the message to read John. As he's talking to his disciples, as he's leaving this world, and he says, abide, relationship, and I'm sending you the Holy Spirit to walk with you, to help you. It is better that I do not stay here, that he would come and to be with you, and to walk with you, and to be your helper. That's what we need. We need a helper this morning. This is not something we can put our cowboy boots on, and do. We need Christ's help, and we need to cry out for it, and we need to realize how lousy we are at being content in Christ and abiding and walking with him. So we cry out and say, dear Lord, please help me. If it is not going well, we ask for help. Also, and I, I had a little, let's see, is, did, did you find the slides at all? If not, that's okay there was one that I I had written this quote because I I write this kind of to my generation. Adventure must be guided by Christ. If not, it is merely adventurous disobedience. There we go. Think about it. Some of you are like, I'm way past adventure. right? I think we all find adventure in our own little ways. But some of us worship the idea of adventure itself. And we sometimes do things that we're told not to do. Seeking that adventure. We want to find our adventure through the precepts, through the things God has taught us. Psalms 19 talks about. David talks about Christ's commands, his laws, his precepts, his rules, his testimonies, and that they are great. More to be desired than gold even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, dripping from the honeycomb. So when we we head out into this world, when they leave the sanctuary this morning, we want to read Psalms, Psalms like Psalms 19, where it talks about following God's commands. You know, there's that quote now, uh, hashtag wonderlust, you know, and they put it with like adventure and you know, these pictures of standing on mountains. If 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 we're not... Finding our satisfaction in Christ, it's just lust. That's all it is. You could simplify that. It's, it's, not just, it's not adventure. It's just adventurous disobedience. So we want to find those things in Christ. And there'll be more joy there anyhow. And that's why we need to be refreshed in these things and come to church and hear these things and hear good teaching so that we know the truth and the truth can set us free. That's, that's excitement. We, we want to come here to be filled up and to be trained What happens if you let a horse just run around the pasture for a year and you jump on and ride it? And it's not over 15 years old. Good chance you will go to the moon. Right? Those guys that are trying the fancy rockets, they ought to try horse training. There's a simpler way to get to Mars. It really is. No, but seriously, we we need to be trained. We need to hear these things. We need to abide and walk with Christ.